no one in the wool industry really sells any wool until someone hands over a credit card and buys a product from a store. That's a quote from Michael Lemprier, the former International Wool Textile Organisation president. But how do we convince more consumers around the world to buy products made of wool? This episode is dedicated to explaining the very latest wool marketing projects that have been successfully positioning and selling wool. Welcome to The Yarn, the number one wool industry podcast. I'm Marius Cumming. So, how do you sell wool during a global pandemic that's closed retail stores around the world and fundamentally changed life as we know it? Woolmark, the marketing arm of Australian wool innovation, has increasingly partnered with online retailers, but also thought of novel ways to promote and sell wool. For example, joining up with a social network of fitness enthusiasts were encouraged to wear wool while commuting and exercising away from public transport. General Manager of Marketing Communications at AWI, Laura Armstrong, told Kevin Wilde about the recent Strava campaign. This was new territory for us. Um, we are really focused on building our sportswear strategy and promoting merino wool as an optimal performance fibre. Um, that can be a big ask for just an average consumer to think of wool as being sporty um so we're really focusing on positioning it as merino wool first of course but the sports community can be a little bit insular in terms of how we target them and market to them so strava is basically it's a social network similar to facebook and instagram to an extent but it's geared specifically for performance and sports enthusiasts they can track their runs or their cycles or walks. They share their um, activities online with friends and they interact with different brands. So it's the first time that we've actually set up an account and rolled out a campaign in the US and Europe. The, the theme for that campaign was really leveraging what was happening as a result of COVID and people avoiding public transport around the world. So we created the Move More in Merino Challenge, which was really challenging um, sports enthusiasts to rethink their commute and get out there on foot and travel in Merino wool. From Market Intel, we actually were able to establish that this commuting apparel would be a really big opportunity for us because you can wear it on the walk, on the run, into the office. It's odour resistant. You don't need to change. It's lightweight. It's breathable. So that was the focus of the campaign. And what type of items? Are we talking T-shirts, things like that in particular? Yeah, really it's the base layer category that we're going for there and then the Merino T-shirt. Something easy, something that can go with everything, nothing too cost prohibitive. What we did was aimed to try and get 80,000 athletes around the world to sign up to this challenge. It was a month of commuting in Merino. We actually got 220,000 athletes subscribed to the challenge, which obviously beat all of our expectations. Um, And then in the short term, in terms of demand for wool, we had 18,000 of those athletes come straight to woolmark.com and register for discounts on merino clothing to buy instantly. So in the long term, we've got 220,000 performance athletes now educated on the benefits of working out and commuting in merino. And in the short term, you've got 18,000 athletes who have merino wool performance discounts in their emails to spend and buy more wool. And then they'll tell their friends and their colleagues that 
this is more breathable, it's odour resistant, um, sure it might cost a bit more than a, than a throwaway cheap cotton version, but you'll be able to keep wearing it and you'll feel better as a result. Absolutely. And next, um, because it was so successful, we're going to roll out a new challenge for spring, which will involve um, hiking and just embracing the outdoors now that all the snow's melted in the US. It's really a matter of expanding the type of items that, that people wear that have wool beyond suiting and jumpers, which is what most people in the city probably think of initially. Yeah, it's about expanding that consideration. And because the way we dress is transforming so vastly and so quickly as a result of COVID and the casualization of our wardrobes because of how we work every day, we need to quickly evolve along with that and, and reposition ourselves. This is a strategy we've always been chasing after, but it's just been accelerated now as a result of COVID. So any new technology, any new platform available to us, we will jump right in and try it. Is it too much to say activewear is the new frontier? It's just one of the areas that you're looking at. It's definitely one of the areas that we're looking at. Um, versatility is fundamental to what we are trying to achieve. Um, but the outdoor space generally, um, if you want to be a bit more specific, because activewear, sometimes you think of the gym and instantly that can be a turnoff for a consumer considering gym wear and then thinking of wool. And to be honest, that's really not where wool performs at its best. It's when you're out with nature. So it's attributing that natural association with the product benefit and using that there for the marketing strategy. Turning to the America's Cup, which is kind of getting close to to the end of competition now, we've got a, a connection there, even though there isn't an Australian challenger. The Italian challenger, Prada Luna Rossa, has AWI's Walmart as one of its sponsors. How did that happen? And is that also really changing people's perspectives of the what wool can do in so many different circumstances? Yeah, that um, initiative was led by Francesco Magri from the Italian office, and it all came about after conversations um, quite high up at Prada, and they're obviously well aware of Walmart's ability to provide technical support, and we were pulled in there as the, the official technical partner of the uniforms. Since that um, project was contracted, Francesco's done an amazing job of establishing a relationship, not just with the Luna Rossa team, but with the Prada team. So we've developed more merchandise with them, which is shoppable on Prada. And then, of course, on the other side, from a brand awareness perspective, you have the incredible exposure of the Walmart logo on the team uniforms and on the sales. And the whole objective of that partnership was really to put wool in a very unexpected context, in a performance context, which is working incredibly well, according to the numbers. And the thing is, people wouldn't think um, modern sailing would be reliant on wool. But I mean, if you go back centuries, obviously, that was the case. But, uh, you know... Merino wool is more, it's almost like two thirds of some of the, um, the makeup of what are, you know, items that have to withstand lots of water in sailing conditions going up to 100 kilometres an hour. Yeah, absolutely. And even the outerwear, which you just wouldn't associate with wool, um, we've created some pretty quirky content to, to show the sailors standing in the shower, for example, and still having a water-resistant effect. Um, so a lot of this has been down to um, Brigitte's 
technical expertise and, and help them that that Prada Luna Rossa team developed the right fabrics. Um, All they need to do from here, and racing starts on the, the 13th for the final of the Challenger Series, is to actually beat Britannia, which is the British yacht, and then they'd be up against... Uh, the New Zealanders for for the America's Cup. So they've done well to to get rid of the Americans and the Americans actually flipped their boat and uh, so the the, the team, which actually even has a Sydney sider, Jimmy Spittle, as one of the co-helmsmen, they've done really well to get this far but there's still a bit more racing to go. Yeah, and it's actually, I don't know if any any of you have tuned into it but it's really exciting to watch the technology that has been infused into the boats the way that they're capturing the race has just made the whole experience so much more exciting than it's been in the past and again the impact of covid has had a bit of an advantage for us in this instance because there's less sport on tv there's less public events astronomical and again beat last last season's benchmarks turning to china that has been the real star of the the team in terms of being able to as a market buy lots of wool and then also being the one place that you've been able to in the marketing area um cash in for wool growers to be Mm. blunt Mm. can you run through some of the details there and how because the china uh, economy is still going really well the success that uh, we've had in terms of campaigns that's going to continue uh, throughout the year yeah of course the the china strategy has been really focused on sell-through and volumes this year and the way that we've done that is by aligning ourselves with the Chinese shopping festival calendar. Um, There's a few really standout moments in the year where the Chinese really love to buy deep. One of them that we actually created for our own benefit was Wool Week. So we built our own shopping festival on Tmall which is one of the biggest consumer platforms in the country. Um, and that launched mid-September. What that involved was building our own wool shop on this platform, and that generated 300 million page views across the campaign. Then we kept things going um, by jumping into the Double Eleven Festival, which is the biggest shopping festival of the year over there. Um, we use tactics that are pretty unique to the Chinese market, such as live streaming, which really looks like shopping TV probably to anybody in the West, but it's a really... Um, useful tactic to, to sell to sell volume um, that generated significant significant volumes of wool um, and our top partners reported a 56% year on year increase of wool sell through and we're talking in the millions and millions and millions of sell through for wool dollars so they're happy wool growers happy because it, it creates demand mm. and um, they will want to come back to customers in, in China uh, next year yeah, and of course, or later this year. Oh, yeah, and later this year, and of course, we're you know we're obviously the tactics are about selling through, but how we do that is through clever marketing. We have to story tell, we have to entertain. So we worked with one of the best creative agencies actually in in China, Wyden Kennedy, who manage accounts for Nike over there. So we we really are working with the best of the best, and that campaign was about capturing people's imagination but also telling the story of merino wool and its benefits at the same time so yes we're converting them at the tills right there when they're in the mood to shop but we're also educating them for the long term 
and with the Marino sisters, um, it really gets your attention. And then having someone who was famous in, in, in China, if you haven't seen the video, um, uh, the, the actress has a kind of Audrey Hepburn vibe mm-hmm. to it for me. Yeah. Maybe I'm showing my age. Um, and it's a matter of knowing what may work in Australia or the US may not and will almost certainly not work in China and then it will be different again in Japan and Korea. So you, you have to be very country specific. Absolutely. And, and we're so lucky that we have such a great team in China who can guide us on that local strategy. Leslie, Jeff, Isabella, Roger have been fundamental to making sure that that campaign lands appropriately in market. And as you were saying before, it will go again in, in spring. It's the Goddess Festival. I've never heard of that until you, you mentioned it just before we, we, yeah. we started this chat. What's that about? So the Goddess Festival is a bit like China's version of um, International Women's Day. It's a day for women. Um, but unique for China, it's about women shopping for themselves and shopping for each other. So again, another big shopping festival. Um, we went back to White and Kennedy Shanghai for the creative. You're going to see your Audrey Hepburn lookalike make <laughs> another appearance. So there's some continuity in the story. And really that festival obviously is about targeting the women's wear market. We've gone slightly more premium in the positioning um, and really about communicating that Marina wool is appropriate for spring, summer as well. It's about keeping our message constant in market and capitalising on that lightweight layers, the knitwear and, and the blazer um, for the female market. Now, get out my crystal ball, and it says that in North America and in Europe and in Britain, the, the rollout of the COVID vaccine goes really well, and when we come into winter uh, next time for them, um, things are opening up again. If that is the case, and we don't know, but if that is the case, that will be a, a big opportunity to bring the other side of you know the major wool buying markets on board. Yeah, of course. Um, obviously, we're hoping for a speedy recovery for everybody. Um, the focus in terms of the differentiation between the East and the Western Hemisphere is the West... We've seen the brands that have managed to survive COVID really focusing on sustainability and eco-credentials. And that is where our heads are at as well. Um, We work very closely with the science and research team here. Um, Some incredible work done by Angus Ireland um, at even a legislative level. So we understand that brands are really going to be changing how they can market and how they can produce. So for the upcoming autumn winter season across the states in Europe, we're really looking to amplify and leverage our green credentials. Because, you know, if you think about it, uh, acrylics, they, they, they come from petrochemicals um, that can't fit in if, if, you, if you're someone who's really interested in sustainability, whereas wool's biodegradable, recyclable, um, sustainable. So it's, it's a matter of changing people's perspectives if, they, if for some quirky reason they thought acrylics were better. Totally. It's all about education and definitely there are some challenges in there. There are some big, heavy-hitting brands with very deep pockets that are very good at greenwashing their polyester fabrics um but we are so confident in wool's eco credentials that once the they understand the message and can detangle this greenwashing narrative 
we we won't have a problem, but it's just making sure that we get in there front and centre. And central to that is that with wool, people keep their woolen items for years. They wear them for years. It's not fast fashion. It's the complete opposite. And then eventually, if, if, if someone um, wants to dispose of, for want of a better expression, it does degrade, as opposed to creating microplastics, which will then pollute the land or the water. Yeah, exactly. And the microplastic conversation has had so much momentum of late. I think the latest um, stat that's been touted is 35% of microplastics found in marine environments is actually from synthetic fabrics and fibres. So the science is there, the truth is there. It's about us using our platforms to make sure the message gets out there. And in terms of recycling and disposing, what we know from um, Angus's great work is that that is going to become even more of a priority at a government level for brands to be responsible for. And that can only mean great things for wool. Um, You'll soon hear the term circularity being thrown about more and more. At the moment, it feels like maybe a, a bit of trade jargon. But this idea of this circular economy, well, everything must come around again and again. Wool is the ultimate circular fibre, both from like a biological perspective, because of course we're renewable and then we biodegrade at the end. But the fact that wool does last longer can be easily repaired. Um, and it's we've seen it more represented in charity bins. So that resale economy that's growing and growing um, is perfect for that as well. And then of course there are other recycling options for it from insulation, etc., to, to wadding and padding. So on every level of circularity, we're ticking that box. And this is a new movement. And we're right there with Angus and his science educating brands. So I, I personally am very optimistic about the future of wool from an eco-credentials standpoint. And from a marketing standpoint, it makes our job so much easier because we're not actually greenwashing. We're basing it all on science. The truth helps sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks, Laura. Thank you. So that's General Manager of Marketing Communications at AWI, Laura Armstrong, with Kevin Wilde in a wide-ranging and informative discussion about positioning and selling wool. Fascinating days, and of course, you can read a lot more about these campaigns through wool.com and woolmark.com, as well as our social media channels across Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Ideas and feedback for this podcast are always welcome, of course, via the yarn at wool.com. But from me, Marius Cumming, thanks for having a yarn with us. Mm-hmm.